What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Monday, February 26th. Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy Football Today. We are talking about year two running backs. And there's going to be two of them going in the first round. There's going to be a third one going in the second round, most likely, in Devon Achan. Uh, You've got Tajay Spears, who's very exciting. You've got Zach Charbonnet going into his second year. Keaton Mitchell and Jaleel McLaughlin, undrafted free agents. And they factor into this discussion as well. I'm Adam Azer, here with Heath Cummings. Heath, how was your weekend? It was a very good weekend. You know, I coached some basketball Won two games, lost one, got a technical. It was a very weak technical. Oh, you got a technical. I I didn't even say anything mean. What happened? We we had a three-point shot that went up, and you could hear the hand slap in the air, and they didn't, no whistle. And all I said was, that's a foul. And apparently I said it too loud and too close to the official, and he teed me up immediately. Actually, he (laughs) warned me. And the other official from across the gym said, no warning, it's a T. Oh, come on now. You can't do that. If the guy right there didn't give you a T, then the guy on the other end of the gym shouldn't give you a T. Th- they missed both the free throws and turned it over, and so it didn't end up mattering. So ball don't lie. You get two shots for a technical. Yes. And the ball? Oh, they get yep. the ball. Any- uh, oh, oh, wow. That's very punitive. <laughs> this is a very steep penalty for saying that's a foul. Yeah, that's pretty rough. That's pretty rough. All right, well, you learned your lesson. Um, uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Hope you all had a great weekend. I had something very embarrassing happen to me yesterday that Heath and Thomas are both aware. And Dave, when he gets to Dave will be here soon. Sent a, I sent a text to the wrong group. That was uh, really embarrassing. So. It could have been worse. <laughs> it could have been worse, but it was so stupid. And I sent it to the wrong group. I sent it to the work group instead of the the family group. All right. Um, So, yeah, we'll talk about the year two running backs. Go over the news and notes. Got Russell Wilson news. We got T. Higgins news. And let's get into it right now with some fun facts on a few sophomore running backs. Fun fact number one. 
Zach Charbonnet, when you look at some of the advanced metrics, he was better than Ken Walker in success rate. He was better than Ken Walker in yards per carry, yards before contact per carry, yards after contact per carry, percentage of carries for zero or negative yards. He was better there. Percentage of carries for five or more yards, better there. Percentage of carries for 12 or more yards, what we call explosive run rate. Charbonnet was better there. It was very close, though, in a lot of these categories. I will say that. Ken Walker... Had a much higher avoid rate, which I know is something that people love. Like, yeah, much higher. So there was that. Charbonnet, by a lot of metrics, Heath had just a better year than Ken Walker on about half the carries. I think it was 108 for, yeah, 108 for Charbonnet, 219 for Walker. Most of those don't surprise me and kind of fit the narrative. The more than five yards, the higher percentage that went for more than five yards surprised me. But I did expect that he would have a much better rate of yard carries that went for negative yardage and that Walker would have a better avoid rate. We talked about this going into last year, that Walker is a home run hitter who has had a lot of runs that didn't gain positive yardage. Um, but I do think these are both extremely talented running backs in a system that wants to run the ball a lot. And so there's a lot of upside. There's just more upside for Charbonnet because he's going to be drafted in round eight, round nine, round 10, it seems like. Whereas Ken Walker's going to go in round three or round four. It's harder to make a profit with Walker. And with a new coaching system, we don't, it may not be the same split next year. Yeah, exactly. Walker had, I thought what was surprising in those advanced metrics was that Charbonnet had a, a percentage, a higher percentage of carries for 12 or more yards. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they don't have the same breakaway speed. It's not even close. Like Walker has him there. Charbonnet's longest run was 23 yards. And Walker's just faster. Walker's really fast. Uh, Charbonnet's not a burner. Um, now, he's not slow, but, you know, he's not Walker. Um, so yeah, well, whatever, we'll get into that a little bit more when, when Dave is on the show, but I guess the question to me is, do you think if Walker goes out with an injury, what does Charbonnet have, you know, Pollard winning upside? Do you think he does? Like he could be a top five running back in the, in, in fantasy football. All right. Uh, fun fact. Number two is we're talking about Bijan versus Gibbs, the Falcons, I, look, I, this is just for fun. I know they have a completely new offensive coordinator, but it's just funny, I guess. The Falcons led the NFL in running back carries with two hundred, with 450. The Lions were second with 449. That is fun. Yeah. It uh, turns out that being on a team that runs the ball a lot with their running backs is good for running back fantasy production. Also, they finished back-to-back in PPR scoring for the full season. Bijan played... Technically, two more games, really more like one more game than Gibbs because he had the migraine game. Um, Gibbs was better per game. Uh, Detroit, though, and this is, this is I think, the, the Gibbs argument is that Detroit was second in the NFL with 24 rushing touchdowns from running backs. Atlanta had eight. So, yeah, this is a, there, there's different ways to look at this is who's going to get more carries, who's going to get more catches, who's going to get more touchdowns. I, I think the answer to that, of those three questions, which which one are you most confident in answering between Gibbs and Robinson? Carries, more, yeah, and what? Carries, catches, touchdowns. Ru- let's say rushing touchdowns. Carries in favor of Bijan. Right, that's the one thing that you can look at. Right. Um. All right. So obviously more on that in a little bit. We'll try to get. It. Dave said he's going to run a little late today. He told me to start without him, so we're doing that. I'm going to try to kill as much time before he gets here. 
so he can have fun and join us in these discussions. FFT Dynasty is twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern on YouTube. What do we have planned uh, for FFT Dynasty this week, Heath? Tomorrow, I have Dave Richard and Dan Schneier. Hopefully, Dave will be on time for that one. Um, for a super flex rookie-only mock draft, it's our first rookie-only mock draft of the 2024 season. I am lining up guests for March. Probably be releasing that information a little bit later today. But we have got some great guests coming on for March. I've already booked Matt Waldman for the first show of April when we really get heavy into our rookie draft prep. But uh, yeah, we've got we got lots of fun stuff coming up. I was hoping to get heavy into my rookie draft prep on March first. So I'm just going to take February, not uh-huh. focus on March first. Now, of course, I have to do a rookie draft tomorrow for Heath. So you don't have to get heavy into it though for that. Like you've only, you've only got to make three picks. Um, one of them will be relatively easy because you've got a top seven pick. So um, it's just going to be two difficult picks. I have the seventh pick in our. Bake Burger Dynasty Superflex draft. And I think that's the worst pick because you've got, well, maybe, maybe you want top five. Or okay, you got three quarterbacks in Superflex, right? You got the three quarterbacks that are gonna go maybe one, two, three in the draft. Right. You've got two wide receivers in Harrison and Neighbors right now. What do you do at six? What do you do at six? Is it Bowers? I think, yeah, I think it really depends on how you feel about Roma Dunze. Um, there are some people that put him up in that uh, in that tier. And so if you like him and you like Brock Bowers, then uh, there's a lot of people who would tell you the cutoff is right after seven. Yeah. That seven's an okay place to be. Like there's five. also people that would put Troy Franklin up there with Adunze as kind of in that not quite Harrison, not quite neighbors, but still very good wide receiver prospect. And at some point... Like a rookie's going, a running back's going to get drafted into a very good situation with decent draft capital. And all of a sudden, he's going to be a first round rookie pick. But I have seen several first rookie mocks in Superflex that this time of year don't have any running backs in the first round. And uh, I, I would say, think about how different it would feel in a Superflex league versus non Superflex league. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> you want a very high pick in a non Superflex league. Okay. Uh, so news and notes: the salary cap increased by a lot, more, much yeah. more than people expected. And what kind of an impact do you think this has? Yeah, you know, I look at the Russell Wilson situation. Maybe it makes it more palatable for the Broncos to move on. I mean, they're expected to move on from him anyway, but it doesn't kill them as much. Like what, anything that comes to mind for you? I still think it's going to kill them. But uh, the T. Higgins one was the biggest thing that came to mind for me. Um, was like they already had enough room to franchise him if they wanted to. Now it's almost easy. Right. It's about a little more than 20, uh, $21 million or something like that. Right. For the, and they already had about $60 million before the new cap. I haven't even looked now at uh, the cap space, but the Bengals were among the NFL leaders in cap space. And they will use the franchise tag on T. Higgins, according to Ian Rappaport. So we knew that last week, basically. Uh, Russell Wilson said he wants to stay in Denver. I don't know if you saw the actual clip. I didn't really feel it. I didn't really believe it. it felt like lip service. Yeah, I, um, I'm sorry. I got distracted by Thomas in the uh, in the private sh- show chat, and I don't know exactly what's going on, but I have to go search Twitter to find out. I we'll talk no about idea. that in just a second. I have no idea what he means. Uh, you have no, no, nobody has any idea what he's talking about. Um, yeah, I don't believe that Russell Wilson wants to stay with Sean Payton at all. 
Um, I, I can't imagine the way he was treated last year that he would want to stay there, yeah. but he needs to be a very willing participant until they cut him because he has lots and lots of money that's coming to him. Uh, Schaefer writes to us, Taylor Swift helps keep Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. And we don't know what this means. We don't know. Salary cap was increased probably because of all the revenue from the new fans. Ah, (laughs) I see. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, thank you, Taylor Swift. Uh, The Raiders, according to the Athletic, Athletic, have not engaged in contract talks with Josh Jacobs yet. The Bucs are working to keep Mike Evans, according to Jeremy Fowler. The Ravens are not expected to re-sign Gus Edwards. The Colts don't want to use the franchise tag on Michael Pittman, but they could if necessary, uh, especially now. The Rams re-signed wide receiver Demarcus Robinson to a one-year $5 million deal. He had a very strong finish to the season. And then Dave Richard. How is that news? What? You're here. You singing, not singing, but like squealing my name the way that you did. Well, the way the way the way that news works is that when circumstances change, yeah. you were not here. Now you are here. That is news. That is news. I don't want you to explain it. He you make it sound like it makes sense. I want Adam to explain it. I don't explain. I sing. I squeal. That Damn. wasn't a song. That was a squeal. You squealed my name. The uh, the Chargers offensive coordinator Greg Roman talked about a running game. He wants a strong running game, and he said, "Imagine Justin Herbert with a strong running game." And in ten years as offensive coordinator, his teams have averaged more than two hundred and twenty five passing yards per game only once. That was Lamar Jackson. <laughs> he, he threw more than his teams threw more than twenty three touchdown passes only twice. That was both. <sighs> Lamar Jackson, but the, the I think I mean I get the sound effects. He's never had a quarterback like Justin Herbert. The quarterbacks that Greg Roman has had have been Alex Smith for one year, Colin Kaepernick for three, Tarod Taylor for two, Lamar Jackson for four. So, yeah, I it's it's a, it's an interesting fit. But in, Dave, in fairness, yeah. I think all of those games guys have won more playoff games than Justin Herbert. And in fairness, all of them played pretty well with Greg Roman. Right? I mean, you got to give him credit for that. So uh, I don't know if you'd say that about Taylor, but I'd say relative to the rest of his career, maybe he got a lot out of Terod Taylor. But Dave, what'd you make of him just talking about wanting a strong run game? I, I think it's great from a professional football perspective. That's what Greg Roman thinks it takes to win football games. That's what he knows. That's his, that's his bread and butter. Jim Harbaugh knew that when he hired him. Jim Harbaugh obviously agrees with that sentiment. I, I kind of agree with you, Adam. Like, obviously, I agree that this is the best thrower that Greg Roman's ever had to coordinate. But I, I worry a little bit about just how much throwing Justin Herbert's going to do this year. What it does do, though, that's going to become the consensus thought. And that's going to push down Justin Herbert's draft value. And you can really win here. I, I'd have to go back and look at where he went amongst quarterbacks in our mock drafts. We've done three so far. I, I'm pretty sure he's not a top six quarterback in any of the mocks that we did. And so the door's open for you to draft a quarterback that's got great upside if it comes to it and still draft another quarterback later if you so choose. And that way you're protected if Justin Herbert 
you know, doesn't have a big year, doesn't average 225 yards a game. You've got a plan B. But I, I think that there, I think that's what's going to happen here is that an opportunity is going to come where fantasy managers can take Justin Herbert at a, I can't believe it price. It's a round seven, round eight type price. And you can still get another quarterback in round 11 or round 12. And you'll pair those two together all year. And, and hopefully one of those two will go off. And one of them could be Justin Herbert, who's been awesome in the past. Fantasy. He got off to a great start last year. The, the thing I struggle with is, in, in terms of thinking about Herbert's upside, is we have seen, like Lamar's first MVP year, he had a remarkable, efficient pass, passing season. But he threw 36 touchdowns, and I'm, I'm not sure he threw 500 times. Uh, very, eight, eight, eight and a half yards per attempt or something. We saw it from Brock Purdy last year. Low pass volume, but insane efficiency. We've seen it from Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. But most of the time, when those guys who are low pass volume but super, super efficient become top five fantasy quarterbacks, it's because they also run for 500 yards and six or seven touchdowns. Herbert could run for 300. Um, but I don't like, I kind of feel like what Purdy did last year is pretty close to Herbert's upside this year. Would you take Herbert or Dak Prescott? Because I think they were, they, they went. Not back-to-back, but Prescott went ahead of him in our most recent draft. Our most recent draft was the first one we've done since they hired Greg Roman. And I believe Herbert was QB9. It went Dak Prescott, then Anthony Richardson, and then Justin Herbert. So I yeah, take both Dak and Richardson over Herbert for sure. I don't have Herbert in my top 12 right now. I've got Herbert in my top 12. Dak for sure. Uh, I'd have to double-check between him and Richardson. Okay. And, uh, all right, that's pretty much it for our news and notes. The Steelers release center Mason Cole. The Dolphins are going to release defensive end Emmanuel Ogba and cornerback Xavier Howard. We're going to take a break. We'll do some sophomore running back fill in the blank when we come back on Fantasy Football Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Fill in the blank. Blank. This is only sophomore running backs. The only people eligible here. Blank is a good sleeper this season. I'll go first. Okay. You're gonna th- there's there's one name that everybody's gonna say. I'm gonna say Keaton Mitchell. That's not the name everybody's gonna say. Okay. Well, I'm gonna say Keaton Mitchell. Um, remarkably efficient as a rookie in an offense that produces. I mean, you're next to Lamar Jackson guys every year, almost average five yards per carry next to him. He needs to get up to where he can consistently average 15 touches, maybe 10 carries to 11 carries, three or four catches per game. 
but with his ability to be efficient and Lamar Jackson creating rushing lanes and the way that Ravens running back scored touchdowns last year, Mitchell has big time upside and he'll probably be an even better sleeper because they seem to be circling on all of the veteran running backs. So maybe they, they sign a veteran running back. It turns out Mitchell's better and you get him at a big time discount. How excited would you be to take Mitchell if it's Derrick Henry going to Baltimore? I, I think it'd be perfect because his ADP would probably fall around 10 and Henry's 30 years old and a prime candidate to drop off or get hurt. All right. Mitchell's coming <sighs> off a torn ACL. Um, yeah. And I thought, all right, who's your guy? Who, who are you going to go ahead? Who is the guy that no, we're, we're going to save the obvious name for the breakout? Cause I think he is more of a breakout than a sleeper. So I'll give Kendra Miller as a sleeper running back in new Orleans. If Alvin Kamara stays, I still think Miller's got some value. I think he's got a lot more pop than Jamal Williams. Pretty much everybody in the National Football League has more pop than Jamal Williams. Not sold on Taysom Hill being back in New Orleans. And I like the profile of Kendra Miller. I just don't like the fact that he seems to be a little injury prone. Dealt with nagging injuries all season long. Not that the Saints needed him. But I think in his second season, he's got to be able to stay on the field. But if he does that, I think he's one of those perfect type of late round uh, middle to late round running back picks that you start with on your bench. And then hopefully by about week four, week five, you build the confidence to start him. Kendry Miller. Uh, uh, well, let me just see where they went. Keaton Mitchell went um, in the 10th round to Thomas Schaefer in the draft that we just did last. Great week. pick Thomas Schaefer. Kendry Miller went in the 12th round. There's one guy who went in the middle. I'll just throw him out as I think he's very similar to, uh, to Keaton Mitchell, but not coming off a torn ACL. And that's Jaleel McLaughlin. Sure. And uh, I guess I probably would prefer him to Keaton Mitchell. It's tough. It's a tough one. It depends how much faith I have today, in Javante Williams. T- today you would because he's not coming off right. of a torn ACL. But in August, Keaton Mitchell's back in training camp. He looks as fast as ever. Maybe it's not Derrick Henry. Maybe it's uh, someone worse than Derrick Henry. And we just we just pile on the Keaton Mitchell bandwagon. There's plenty of room for everybody on the Keaton Mitchell bandwagon. But they don't, I mean, no team threw to their running backs more than the Broncos last year. So you're hoping Facts. McLaughlin can, can have. Here's, here's the problem. Is, is the game. Samaj P. Ryan still going to be there? Yeah. I don't know. Is that a yeah or a I don't yeet? know. I, I, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big was deal. Was that a yeet? What was that? <laughs> uh, it's, it was a yeet. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, McLaughlin is obviously in that same discussion. So these are undrafted free agent running backs from last year. Keaton Mitchell and Jaleel McLaughlin, who went very similarly in, in the latest draft we did. And then Kendry Miller went after him. Let me ask you this. So you said he has more pop than Jamal Williams, but I was watching some film of these guys this morning and Kendry Miller, he's a big bruiser. I don't pop is not the word I'd use for him. And I wonder if he's explosive enough to be, um, anything more than a flex, I guess. Well, I mean, are we starting guys based on how explosive they are or based on how much work and efficiency that they can give? He's not going to be as hyper-efficient as like Keaton Mitchell was, but I think he can still be a, uh, certainly more, like I said, more pop than Jamal Williams. But again, I also said everybody's got more pop than Jamal yeah. Williams. Uh, maybe more pop than Alvin Kamara. Did you know that not a single mm-hmm. running back on the Saints had a 20-yard carry last year. The only two players that had a 20-yard carry were Taysom Hill and the only two players who had a 20-yard carry for the Saints were Taysom Hill and 
Rashid Shahid. Lynn Bowden Jr. Ah. <laughs> Such a weird stat. All right. Blank is a good breakout this season. Bijan Robinson. I mean, it's yes. fair. He, he wasn't that good. La- he wasn't that good last year. <laughs> On a per game basis, what he was a low end number two running back, and we're all going to draft him as a top eight pick this year. So it seems like he's the guy to put on the cover of the breakouts article. Nobody argues with you. Could be the best running back in fantasy. Seventeenth in PPR points per game last year. If you break out only the games where he had fifteen plus carries, man, he was a lot sweeter. Eighteen point one. PPR points per game. And there were 12 of those games where he had 15 or more, I should say, touches, not carries. We care about the touches. That's what you're looking for when you draft Bijan Robinson in round one. You're looking for 18 PPR points per game. It's going to be a new offense. It should be centered on him. No more of this BS where he's sharing all the time with Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson and Jamal Anderson and whoever else is in Atlanta. I think it's going to be the Bijan show. And with a better quarterback there and the offensive line that should still be good enough, I think it'll pay off. So I agree with that call. Uh, Bijan, by the way, if you remove the Tampa Bay game, the migraine game, what do you have? One touch in that game, I think. He goes up to about 11th per game in PPR. Still was disappointing. Still a breakout candidate, yep. And in half PPR, 15th per game, if you remove that that Tampa Bay game. Non-PPR, 16th per game. All right, uh, Bijan, and then Dave, who were you going to say? <laughs> Tajay? Let's just talk about Tajay yeah. Spears now because if, if it comes to pass that he's the best running back and you want to talk about explosive running backs, here's one in Tennessee. He He's an easy breakout candidate, someone that could have 250 touches, no problem, proved last year that he can work in the passing game, had 52 catches. I believe that was tied for the second most among all rookie running backs last year. One fewer target than Jameer Gibbs, and he had more receiving yards than Jameer Gibbs. He had 385, so better efficiency through the air. I think this is going to be a very different Tennessee offense. It's going to look a lot more like, well, it's going to look a lot like the Bengals' offense has looked the past couple of years. It might even look a little bit like the Rams and 49ers' offenses. Running backs catch the ball there. He certainly has that in his profile. I don't know if I love where he went in our most our most recent mock draft. I think he was a round four pick. Last pick of round four, 48. That's close to where I think he'll end up going. Uh, he might end up going in round four if he is the only show in town. In uh, yeah, I hate a round four pick now. Because we're talking about a new regime. We have no idea what they think of him and, and, and or how many touches they think he should receive per game. So there's a I agree with Dave that he is a, certainly a breakout candidate and with all the exciting things that Dave said. But right now, if you're doing best bell drafts, there's an immense amount of risk also. There, he's one of the biggest movers in our mock, in our full PPR mock from January to February. He rose up 23 spots. That's almost two full rounds. But the, it, you're right, Heath. It, and it, right now, it seems funny. But if, if Tennessee only adds like a day three pick at running back, maybe they get one of these burly running backs. Uh, you're going to see Spears go pretty early. Some of his highlights are really... Super impressive, especially his catches. Yeah. Uh, that one catch he had against Baltimore, he made like 16 guys on an 11-player t- defense miss. <laughs> um, yeah, he had a, a long catch against the Dolphins that he actually ended up fumbling. But, uh, yeah, I, I was just watching a lot of, of film on these guys this morning. And, I mean, Spears, 
compared to you know, I'm, uh, nobody's comparing him to Kendrick Miller, but just compared to some of the other guys I watch, he's not a Chan necessarily, but I, he's wow. I, I think super impressive and doesn't have an ACL apparently in, nope. one, in one of his knees. Uh, so I always, that. I always wonder about that and if they'll ever let him be a feature back, but he had a hundred right. carries and 52 catches and was really good. I mean, advanced metrics are really good. Everything looks great here. I, does he have first round upside? Does he have league winning upside? Sure. Sure. I say in the highest possible voice, um, <laughs> if, if, if it's, if it's a situation like I just talked about where there isn't much competition, maybe the Titans and, and you said, we don't know what the Titans coaching staff thinks of Ty J Spears. We're going to find out over the next five months with exactly what they think of Ty J Spears, because if they go and they draft Marshawn Lloyd, uh, then that's going to be a, a combo platter. If they go and they, they sign Saquon Barkley, I'm, I'm just throwing out crazy ideas. You're going to know exactly how they feel about Ty J Spears either way. Yeah. But if they love him and they don't add anybody, Yes, he could have upwards of 250, 275 touches. Say the Titans really work hard to improve that offensive line. Titans work really hard to get Will Levis to throw shorter passes and checkdowns. Bang. That's somebody who's going to be much better than a round four, a late round four ADP. We didn't talk about Devon Achan as a breakout. We'll get to him at some point. He's going to have to be on the field more, and then that would really be a breakout, you know. Um Blank will be a bust this season. I mean, I hate this question. And I don't think that there's a good reason to have a strong take right now because there's so many things that are going to change. But the most likely, I think, is HN. Um, if he's going to be around 280p and basically was really, really good last year in blowouts, um, looks like more likely than not a part-time player who may have a hard time staying healthy. Uh, there's a lot of room for for a, a bust in round two. That's the that's the big answer is Achan because you could say Charbonnet is going to be a bust because Kenneth Walker's still there and change an offensive philosophy. Um, you could you can make the case for any of the other day three running backs. You can make the case for Jameer Gibbs that he's going to get overdrafted, a potential top six seven overall pick who's still going to be sharing carries with David Montgomery. But I think Achan's the one that carries the most risk right now. I I would imagine that if his ADP were round three, people would love to take that chance on him. Man, was he good when he had those opportunities last year, though. Those 20-point games are tough to overlook. And just like what we talked about with Tennessee, we're going to get five months' worth of answers from the Dolphins on how they feel about their running back group and whether they want to stick with the the older guys like Mostert and – whether they bring back Jeff Wilson, they could save some money if they cut him, uh, or if they're going to add another running back to the mix. I know they're going to want to use multiple running backs. That's just the thing that uh, Mike McDaniels likes to do. But I I think that HM, we, we really want to see him get elevated and get elevated during the offseason. And then by the time week one comes, it's like almost a no-brainer that he's a second-round pick. Can he carry the load? He had an 18-carry game, Devon HM. He had a 17-carry game. And in his last season at Texas A&M, he had six games with 18 or more carries, and he had a 28-carry game against LSU. We know he's kind of a small guy, but he did do it at, at A&M. Uh, some running backs think never really get that opportunity in college. A-chan did. But, yeah, we just don't know if he'll stay healthy. Well, and is it the plan for him to carry? Like it, 
there's the certainly the question about the injuries and whether he can carry the load. But if you look at his touches and their games that were not blowouts, it was almost always limited to right around ten. Yeah. Um, the the games where he had 17 carries in a game they won by 30. He had 40 carries in a game they lost by 35. He had 18 carries in a game they won by 50. Um, for the most, like seriously, for the most part, it was single digits or 10 or 11 carries when it was a competitive game. If Josh Jacobs is back on the Raiders, you're going to take Jacobs or Achan, and I will say Jacobs went two spots ahead of Achan in our our most recent mock. Jacobs for me. I believe I have Achan ranked ahead of Jacobs right now. Would you take Rashad White or Achan? White. They're closer for me, but Achan's still ahead of White. Okay. I feel like they had the the reverse yards per carry. Rashad White, did he average 3.7 yards per carry? Because Achan averaged 7.3. 3.6 for Rashad White. Ah, okay, even worse. Um. All right. So, is that our only bust? Can't. Yeah. I mean, you, if you want to talk about Gibbs as a bust, how about we do this? Let's talk about this. Not really. This Twitter <laughs> no. poll. Oh, Schaefer, I got a new Twitter poll for you. If you want to throw it up, uh, who do you like in half PPR? Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs? It is currently after 367 votes. It is currently 50.1 percent Bijan, 49.9 percent Jameer Gibbs. Nicely done. Uh, who do you guys prefer, Bijan or Gibbs? Bijan. I have Bijan ahead of Gibbs. Okay. Heath, did you change on that? Yeah. Uh, what made you go to the Bijan side? Uh, hiring a defensive head coach who said that he wants to build the offense around Drake London and Bijan Robinson. That's a pretty good reason. <laughs> um, Gibbs talking about him as possibly a bust candidate. He was, uh, I believe, running back nine per game in the last. Let me just check here, make sure I'm right. Uh, Ten per game in the last nine games of the season with David Montgomery. Uh, in those games, Montgomery had more carries. Gibbs was on pace for 200 carries and 45 catches, but he was on pace for 17 total touchdowns, including 15 rushing touchdowns. And I thought this was really fascinating. In those last nine games, that's after Montgomery came back from an injury. In those last nine games, uh, Montgomery and Gibbs basically split the carries inside the five-yard line evenly. 11 for Montgomery, 10 for Gibbs. But then let's fast forward to the playoffs. They played three games, and Montgomery had eight carries inside the five-yard line, and Gibbs didn't have one. He had zero. Yet he still scored three touchdowns from 10, 31, and 15 yards out. But I, you would feel, I would feel more comfortable with Gibbs, and I feel very comfortable with Gibbs. He's fantastic. I'd feel more comfortable with Gibbs, though, if I, if I knew they were at least going to split the goal line carries or close to the goal line carries. It went back to eight nothing Montgomery in the playoffs. Thoughts, Dave? Makes sense. Lions want to stick with with their their bruiser near the goal line. That's what they paid him to do. It's part of the appeal to David Montgomery. Um, that being said, over the course of thirteen games, Gibbs actually led all rookie running backs in touches inside the five. Did you have that stat? No. All right, he he was tied for the leading touchdowns with five. He had 11 touches inside the five over the course of the season. Here's my favorite stat on Gibbs, and this is why I absolutely positively can't say with a straight face that he's a bust. He had 10 games this year where he played at least 50% of the snaps. He averaged 18.1 PPR points per game. That's the same as Bijan when Bijan had at least 15 touches. He scored nine touchdowns in those 10 games. I don't think that there's a way – 
that he will consistently be under 50% of the snaps in his second season with Montgomery a year older, Gibbs clearly more explosive, Gibbs working better in passing situations. And I love the fact that Ben Johnson's sticking around in, in Detroit. That means that that offense will have some serious continuity. They might even add some strength to that offensive line that they've got that can make him just as efficient in his second season as he was in his first season. I'm encouraged by the future for Jameer Gibbs. Heath? Yeah, I don't think there's – I mean, I don't want to call him a bust. I was I was enjoying Lawson's comments in the in the chat. He's mad about Patrick Mahomes. Um, just for no reason at all. And so, sorry. But, no, I, I – like, there's not – you could make the case for Gibbs as a bust, and it would be that he's going to be a low-end number one running back, and you have to draft him in round one, and you shouldn't draft a low-end RB1 in round one. But he's going to be at least a low-end RB1. And he has this uh, this upside that if Montgomery misses any time, just forget it. Because in two, in three games without Montgomery, he averaged nine point. He has scored nine point two points per game, and then twenty seven point six and twenty nine point nine later in the season. And so three uh, games, two of them well into the twenties. Twenty seven point six or more, and the, and those were Yummy. two later in the year. You know, and the first game he had seventeen carries. He just didn't score because nobody scored rushing touchdowns against the Falcons. Uh, Lawson says still zero combos on the air of why the Chiefs haven't had a holding call against them in three Super Bowls. Even it's exactly what we should be talking about. Yeah. Why haven't we done a podcast on this yet, Adam? Is that true? That they haven't had a holding call against? That's okay. I, I mean, I do believe that superstar players get superstar calls. It's one of my least favorite things in sports. We saw it with Brady over and over. I'm pretty and over sure Jawan Taylor was the most penalized player in the NFL this year, he, the Chiefs he, tackle. He earned that, though. <laughs> I mean, he earned that. I can't, I can't even line up on the line of scrimmage. Um, but that's interesting. No holding calls in three Super Bowls. But They definitely should have been called at least once. Nick Bosa was getting bear-hugged a couple of times. There, there were lots of bad calls in the Super Bowl, just like there were in every single game this year. Yeah, or missed calls, right? I saw this with, I'll go to break in a minute, but as a Yankees fan, Derek Jeter had his own little strike zone that just, yeah. it benefited him so much. I always, I was like, ah, I'll take it. But it happens with superstars, no problem. Hey, like, get over it, Lawson. Patrick Mahomes is the man. All right, let's uh, take a break and come back and we'll talk about some other guys, some other uh, sophomore running backs. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We'll go rapid fire on some of these running backs. I'll ask you a question or just give you a name and you tell me what you think of him. Uh, Dijon Robbins and Jameer Gibbs, we skip them? Yes, please. Yes. All right. Devon A. Chan, what is his upside? 
20 PPR points per game. RB1. Yep. Zach That's Sh- why he's going to be a round two pick, Adam. Give me 30 seconds each on Zach Charbonnet. No, let's. this is one guy I feel like we should spend more time on. I, I know we talked about him earlier in the show. Dave, you missed it, but I, his metrics were better than, than Ken Walker's. Um, he's not as fast. He's not going to make as many big plays, but he, I think, at least looks like a more consistent runner than Ken mm-hmm. Walker. Dave, what do you have to say about Zach Charbonnet? Yeah, he's not a home run hitter, but he can do everything else. And we talked a lot the night of last year's draft over how Zach Charbonnet could work in passing downs. He did work near the goal line. He did a lot of that. He didn't do all of it for Seattle last year. And now I'm sure it's going to be a competition all over again between these two because it's a new coaching staff, new offense. Everything's going to be, you know, everybody's starting from scratch in Seattle is probably the best way to do it. There were three games last year where he had at least 18 touches. He averaged 13.2 PPR points in those games. I I think we all know what it's going to take for him to get back to that point. It's going to mean something happening to Ken Walker. That's the old, that's the upside with Zach Charbonnet. And I know that Ken Walker isn't exactly like Mr. Iron Man. He could miss some games, missed a game last year. I I would be nervous um, stockpiling Zach Charbonnet in my leagues, uh, unless it was with like super late round pick, because he seems pretty tied to Ken Walker at this point. I think that's the interesting thing, Dave, is that, again, this is another situation where we've got a complete coaching overhaul. Um, they didn't They didn't go get Ken Walker. They didn't go get Zach Charbonnet. We know there are some coaches who prefer that their running back hit the appropriate hole and pick up five yards regularly as opposed to try to dance and pick up 70 every carry. So I do think that there's at least a small window here that the roles that we saw for Walker and Charbonnet last year are not as defined as what they were last year when both were healthy. I think Charbonnet, the player, is a very good rusher, a competent pass catcher, profiles as better in short yardage than Ken Walker. Um, But it's going to, like, I don't know how much of an indication we're going to get before the season, which is why I'd rather draft Charbonnet than Walker right now, because he's going to go so much later than Walker is. Um there might be enough rush attempts for both of them. Like this could be a, a David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs situation with the way that Mike McDonald's talking. He was the 33rd running back off the board in our February full PPR mock. He's gone 93rd, 98th, and 92nd overall in our three mock drafts so far. So eight or nine? Round eight, that, round nine? That's right toward the end of round eight. And Walker's probably going in the fourth. Is that right? I will tell you right now. Walker's gone. <laughs> All right. So in January, he went 17th. Hmm. February, he went 41st. In our half PPR, he went 42nd. So round four for Walker, late round eight for Zach Charbonnet. You can only have one who you take him. I can have both. I have both a fourth and an eighth round pick. I, but that's not the question I, I asked. Take, you. I pick one. Take, pick um, one. Which has the better value? I would take Charbonnet, I think. Yep, Charbonnet. I, I think I would, too. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll be the nerd and, and lean with Walker since I think he's the one that that coaching staff might veer toward first. I would say that even though I was probably hit the highest on Walker last year uh, in draft season, I was pretty disappointed with him. Not necessarily as a fantasy asset, but just as a rusher, I don't think he became a more consistent runner, even though Pete Carroll said he did. The numbers don't really back it up. Right. And this coaching, this past coaching staff was not willing to use him as a pass catcher, which I think is a mistake. I, I don't get it. I, I think 
when he had the games where he was getting some catches, you know, he could do something with it because we know he'd just get the ball in his hands. But they didn't trust him there. Um, Charbonnet was the two-minute and four-minute guy. So I think there's a lot of bust potential with Ken Walker unless his role changes, which, of course, we won't know because they have a new coaching staff. But it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, I think you could make the case that a defensive head coach is more likely to prefer the guy who keeps the chains moving and keeps the defense off the field and doesn't make mistakes. Sure. Yeah. But um, it's speculative. The, I think the role to me is the one that I was more talking about was do they use Ken Walker more in the passing game or do they keep Charbonnet in that role or someone yeah. else? You know, I would, I would like to see Walker more involved in the passing game because if he isn't, I think he's just got a lot of bust potential. All right, uh, we got Tajay Spears. We spent a lot of time on him. Roshan Johnson. Give me a quick thought on Roshan Johnson. I was really disappointed in the way his rookie season went. Um, I don't I don't feel super... like He's going to have to be a double-digit round pick for me to be super excited right now. I don't think he's necessarily better as a rusher than Khalil Herbert. And now maybe the, the quarterback change will change the offense enough to where there's a lot of running back targets, but the guy who didn't throw to a lot to his running backs in Seattle is now mm-hmm. going to be calling the offense in Chicago, Shane Waldron. So I don't necessarily see a huge opportunity for a pass catching back in that offense, even if they go with Caleb Williams over Justin Fields. What are the odds that he's the lead back for Chicago by the time training camp opens? 25%? Yeah, I think it's hard to say that it's going to be higher than that because Khalil Herbert still figures to be there. Uh, Foreman's a free agent. They could either re-sign him or they can do what we've talked about half a dozen other teams, a half a dozen, a full dozen other teams doing, and that's drafting somebody to come in and take work away. Uh, I did. I, I, I do know that this coaching staff, which is mostly the same from last year, and that includes that coach, loves this guy. And I heard I heard a rumor that he was their guy and that they wanted to begin with him as their lead back this year. I don't know if I can believe that he's going to keep that. I think he was good. I think he was effective, but not necessarily explosive. Certainly fine in the receiving game. Uh, 6.1 yards per catch. He went 100th overall or later in each of our three mocks. If the Bears don't do much at running back, he's going to make a jump. Not quite as big as Tajay Spears but still probably in around six as a speculative RB2. This is Roshan Johnson. We're Roshan talking about, Johnson. would you rather have Roshan Johnson or Chase Brown of the Bengals? It's Roshan for now, but you know what could happen in Cincinnati that could change that. Yeah, well, right. So Chase Brown, we didn't talk about him as a sleeper or a breakout. He could fit those roles. He absolutely could. Do you think um, the Bengals will view him as a starting running back or just a complimentary piece? Dave? Oh, I would guess that that would be more of a complimentary piece than a starting running back. All right. So much of it comes down to whether or not Joe Mixon is there. If Joe Mixon takes another reduction in salary, he will be there. It's going to happen. And then Chase Brown will be probably their third down back. I would imagine that that's going to be where he'll land up. He did a good job catching the ball this year, had a huge receiving play that pumped up his yards per catch to 11.1. Probably a more fair number is right in line with what Roshan got, which is 6.1. He's a good, he's, he's almost like Roshan Johnson in that he's, he's an effective running back. He can give you a rushing presence. He's not going to speed away all the time. 
if he ends up being the lead guy in Cincinnati, yes, another meteoric rise in uh, in draft ADP. He'll be like he might he might be higher than round six. He could end up being late round four, early round five. Okay, that's Chase Brown. So, do you think any of these guys are anything more than handcuffs? Tank Bigsby, oh. Eric Gray, Israel Abenakanda. He's definitely a handcuff. Yes, they're all handcuffs all at right. best. If they may, right? At best, those are important words. That's if they make the team. What about Eric Gray? I mean, you could see the Giants letting go of or not re-signing Saquon Barkley. I would find it very, very surprising if they decided they were going to go into next year with Eric Gray as their lead running back. No, but he could be a piece of their run game. If they end up using two to three guys, um, no, his, his rushing average was in the toilet. I don't think I want the 1B on the Giants. I would still rather have handcuffs. How do you feel about Chris Rodriguez on the Commanders? Is he, he going to get opportunities? I, you know, I would hope so. He... He had a nice rookie season. I think he averaged 4.8 yards per carry. He did. Which is only six on- yards per catch. He's an interesting dude, Adam. Well, because per catch, I mean, he, you can't do that. He had two catches. <laughs> they oh, that's throw true. to him. That's, he's, uh, he's huge. He's 224 pounds. I mean, he's no, right. He's he's a different type of running back than what we've really talked about. We, I mean, some of these running backs are pretty big guys, but he's big. He's physical. I think he can catch the ball. Uh, I remember in senior bowl practice two years ago. He was catching the ball really well. So it's silly to bring up that he averaged six yards per catch. But I think catching the ball is part of his profile. They're going to move on from Antonio Gibson. At least that's my hunch. Maybe Rodriguez takes over that role. Oh, I can't see that. I mean, he just doesn't. He, Let me see how many catches he had in college. I, maybe I'm he's just like a big dude. I, I mean, I think Rob, I think he could take over Robinson's role if Brian Robinson doesn't do well. And then they say, all right, let's let's let this Chris Rodriguez guy have a chance. He had a two-touchdown game against the Jets last year when uh, Robinson was out. I think we were really high on Antonio Gibson that week because the Jets were just such okay. a layup. And Gibson had a good game too, but Robinson had 10 carries, 58 yards, and two touchdowns. Rodriguez had 20 catches Rod- in Rodriguez, college. So. Rodriguez had it. Chris Rodriguez, yeah. I must be on crazy pills for for thinking that. He had, he had one 13-catch season. Yeah, he's not going to... Not gonna do that. That's okay. Um, all right, uh, Deuce. Taking Vaughn. it back on C. Rod. Deuce Vaughn for Dallas. Zach Evans for the Rams. Dwayne McBride for the for the Vikings. Kenny McIntosh for the Seahawks. Did I say any interesting names there? Deuce Vaughn, Zach Evans, Dwayne McBride, Kenny McIntosh. No. Amari Di Mercado. Sean. Di Mercado is the most interesting. McIntosh was good in college. Uh, I think we found out exactly what the Rams think of Zach Evans after. Kyron Williams got hurt in the middle of the year. Isn't it interesting that Mitchell and Keaton Mitchell and Jaleel McLaughlin be, being undrafted free agents? And I there's one more. Who? Imari DiMarcado. I, I just said him. He said DiMarcado is the most interesting of that list. Oh, okay. Well, I'd like saying his name. Imari DiMarcado. Yeah. <laughs> there's actually a, a decent history of of uh, undrafted free agent running backs. Being good for fantasy. Don't ask me to name all of them, but like Arian usually Foster, for one year, though. Yeah, Arian Foster would be the best. Uh, I think Alfred Morris was he undrafted? Nope. No, around six, drafted. seven. Uh, there Brown. are some. I remember this, but I can't remember the names off the top of my head. Um, oh, oh, uh, James Robinson. James Robinson, right? Undrafted? James Robinson, but that's right to Heath's point. Right. 
is that he he lasted a couple of years and then it was curtains. Dave wanted to bring up Heath's quote tweet. Oh, good. It's, this is a dangerous territory. No idea what you're talking about. I've got many of them. You don't remember what you quote tweet? I quote tweet all kinds of things, Dave. <laughs> it was the one about stickiness. Stickiness, yeah. It was a good quote tweet. Do we have it? Here we go. Schaefer's going to bring it up. Yeah, that was from, uh, is that from Ryan Heath? Ryan he- yeah, he- Heath only quotes tweets great, people named Heath. Great, great name. Um, and Ryan does really great work. And um, has lots of interesting tweets like this, so you should follow him on Twitter. But yeah, it was basically um, highlighting which wide receiver statistics are A, the stickiest, in other words, um, more likely to be similar next year, and B, correlate to next year's fantasy points per game, which are the two things that we really care about, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and yards I, per carry. I ju- What's that? <laughs> and yards per carry, of course. Well, he, I haven't seen the running back version of that, but I will make sure to tag you in it when he puts it out there so we can see how high yards per carry ranks on the list. Um, it was a good reminder. Like We use a lot of advanced stats to try to find the edge, like to try to find the, the little edge over things. But a good starting place is still what did they do last year Uh um there's very few things in fact i think on this list maybe first downs were the only thing that came out as more sticky and predictive of next year's fantasy points than last year's fantasy points so a good argument against a player is not well i don't care what he did last year tell me what he's going to do this year because what he did last year is highly predictive of what he's going to do this year also, I think it's interesting to look at this and, and see what's trending in Schaefer's Twitter. Uh, do you follow cricket? Because you have a cricket player trending. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> if Heath married Ryan, his name would be Heath Heath. That is true. Heath um, squared. All right, well, it was an interesting tweet. Check it out. And uh, let, me, let me just see. The, I just want to get that guy's Twitter handle. Uh, again, I can find it for you. Um, QBL Ryan. QB, uh, at QBL underscore Ryan. Right? Is there an underscore there or no? I don't think there's an underscore there. Put your There's glasses no on. underscore. There's no underscore. At it's QBL so Ryan. hard to read on that screen. Yeah, it really is. At QBL Ryan. Give him a follow. Let's read some emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. The first one is uh, a great email from Tim. Where's Tim from? Let's go with Moon County, Pennsylvania. Adam, I don't know how many people are on your side, but since July when you announced you baked a burger, I have supported that idea. I actually thought it was quite smart. Eight months later, I have baked a burger. He waited eight months. And it will be a new go-to way to make a burger without a grill. And since I don't have a grill, I will do it often. It's way better than on the stovetop for several reasons. One, more control. I got the burger to a perfect 165 degrees with little work. Two, it's cleaner. I don't have to scrub anything. I toss that J onto some tin foil and a pan, and bingo, don't even have to clean the pan. Uh, just threw out the tin foil. And three, it tastes fine, freaking fine. I'm not a freaking pro- fine. <laughs> I'm not a professional chef. Even if I made it to the grill, I wouldn't have done that much better of a job. It's marginal <laughs> based on my skill. Yes, that is exactly right. I am not good enough to make a good burger on the stovetop. That's why for people like me. For people like Tim from Pennsylvania, a baked burger is perfectly fine. And that's what I am going for when I make dinner. Freaking fine. There we go. 
Okay. Um, thank you. Here's a better email for fantasy purposes. Michael in Pennsylvania right. uh, wants to go over some and if some fantasy draft strategies that we had last year and if they hit or if they missed and if we do them again this year. Drafting a top seven quarterback in the earlier rounds. I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say earlier rounds, but drafting a top seven quarterback, a clear miss. And this was a big miss if for anyone who did it like me. Um, but yeah, big miss. Right, but does that mean that we wouldn't do it again this year? I'm less likely to do it this year. And I don't, I don't like. I think it was l- largely a fail, but Allen and Hertz were worth it. Were they? Because they weren't. They didn't have typical Allen and Hertz seasons. But but the rest of the position was like there weren't. There was only two really really good guys. They were like yeah. five points better than everybody else. Yeah, but you could have had Dak. Could have drafted Dak later and been really happy with that. I know but that's only one example, right? You could have, yeah, you could have, you could have drafted Cousins. Dak was better than Hertz on a per game basis. Yeah, I just they weren't. A, I think it's. A, I think overall it was a miss to prioritize quarterback last year, especially well, and Mahomes, it's just Burrow, it's Herbert and the the bigger underscore is don't be one of the casuals that takes a quarterback in round one. We've been screaming oh. that from the rooftops. If it's a one QB league, don't fall into that trap. You'll see it in ADP. That Josh Allen will go. He might not even have a, a round one ADP this year. It might be round two, but I just don't think it's worth it ever in a one QB league. Two quarterbacks, super flex, totally different story. But in a one QB, uh, I I don't think I'm. I think round three would be the absolute earliest I would even think about taking a quarterback. Okay, next strategy: drafting one of the top two tight ends in round one or two. Was that a hit or a miss, Kelsey or Andrews? Miss. Big miss if it was Andrews, and. Less of a miss, but very frustrating if you took Kelsey. You won't have to do that this year. I don't think anybody's going to look at getting those guys. Going zero RB strategy, drafting in the sixth round or later. Big win. Yeah, big, big win. This was best, the best. best year for zero RB that I can remember. Yeah. Which means next year it's probably going to be a terrible strategy. <laughs> Unless we have the same trend of uh, – eight-ish, nine-ish running backs going in the first two rounds. It was such a low... In terms of that, the first two rounds were so uh, wide receiver heavy, and we had three quarterbacks going in the first two rounds, uh, and we had two tight ends. So I actually don't think it's going to be the case, right? Because you're not going to have as many quarterbacks or tight ends this year going in the first two rounds. But either way, you know, the Kyrens of the world, the Rashad Whites, the Camaro was a unique case. Not going to happen again in the same number. Uh, loading up on second-year breakout wide receivers. Yeah. I Terrible. Miss. Big miss. Big mm-hmm. miss. Yeah, all these strategies were bad. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily Garrett Wilson's fault, you know. Or Drake uh, London's or Jahan Dotson's. They did not work out. I don't put that in the same category as, as Garrett Wilson, though. George Pickens actually did work out uh, after you dropped him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's still one more strategy coming that I think worked out. What are you gonna, or, or is this the list? Loading up on rookies. I don't remember that as a yeah, strategy, I but I think it worked okay. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Isn't strategy. the answer to all these, it depends. It depends on who you took. It depends on what you got. Did zero RB work out if you didn't get Raheem Mostert or Kyron Williams? 
Well, I don't Sort think of on be, I don't think we can be that specific, basically. But, but, but that's kind of the answer. No, no, I don't. I don't agree because the bottom line is it was a great year for zero RB, and most most fantasy managers had someone. I mean, it was just so many. There were so many zero RB guys that worked out that that you'd have to say that strategy worked overall. It may not have worked for everyone, but it and worked. there were so many running backs who were drafted high who were bad. Yeah. I mean, uh, that might be the lesson. Handcuffing players. Did that strategy work? I don't know. I don't think so. No, it didn't. It, what, what what handcuff did well? Kyron Williams. <laughs> yeah, if you handcuffed Kyron Williams, <laughs> that worked out extremely well. Okay, what was the strategy uh, you wanted to talk about, Heath? Not drafting hurt players. Oh, okay. Hmm. That wasn't in the email, but yeah. That did work. Or we had the, uh, the the don't draft old players. Don't draft old. Yeah. Well, that's it for today's show. Yeah. These old men are going to take a little break. It's 11 o'clock. It's time for Heath to have lunch. I'm Perfect. also starving. Like I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't have to edit right now. All I want to do got is some eat lunch. Leftover seafood pasta with scallops and shrimp. Ooh, yeah. That sounds just wish good. I had a public microwave to heat it up in. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> oh, to ruin it for everyone else? Yes, yeah, you know, seafood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great in the microwave. I'm glad you're not at the office. I've gotten chicken salad from three different places in the last three weeks, and they're, they've all been completely different. Completely different. I'm having trouble figuring out which one I like the best. That's my story. So. <laughs> it sounds like you've had an exciting three weeks. Okay, one more look at the poll. Bijan Robinson, 51.4%. Jameer Gibbs, 48.6%. We'll be having this discussion for the next uh, six months. Talk to you later, everybody. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.